Well, good morning, church. How good it is to be with you this morning. My name is Andy Manick. I'm the lead pastor here at Valencia United Methodist Church. And before we pray and jump in, I just want to say a word of thanksgiving to our musicians this morning. We're talking about community and what a gift it is to have so many of you join us from our larger community and the Santa Clarita Master Chorale. Thank you for being here, Stephen and Ann, for pulling them together and uh, having this flow so smoothly. Our chancel choir is back next week, uh, and this has been a summer of all things new, new pastors, new ways of experiencing music, different gifts and talents, and you bring this time to a close. I do want to say a word about all things new, though, that you sang. Uh, Elaine is a tremendous composer. I joked with Anne, she's playing way too many 16th notes this morning. Um, but she has taken a poem by Francis Habergal from the 19th century and converted Francis's reflection on Revelation and turned it into that song. Now, the folks out here may know that Francis, you're all good students of hymnody, I know. <laughs> Francis Havergill is the author of one of our more familiar hymns, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Yes, you're familiar. Some heads nodding. I feel good. I don't know if this will work at the 1030 service, but I knew my 9 o'clock people. <laughs> and Francis's father was a guy by the name of William Henry Havergill, who was a pastor uh, and a musician. I take encouragement in that. Uh, but his gift at the time of his life was setting uh, a number of Charles Wesley hymns to music. Um, and he was a composer who would take these poems from Wesley. So this intersection of old and new in our communities is very much at the heart of what we're doing today. So thank you not just for music, beautiful music, uh, but a tender connection with all of us this morning. Friends, let's pray and then jump in. Gracious and ever-loving God in whom we live and move and have our being, we give you thanks. You are, in fact, making all things new, that you're shaping us and that you're having us to be your people in community. We'd ask that your spirit of connection settle us in and draw us closer one to another, that we might truly be your people in this place, inspired by your word and by your love, and that we might be able to say that in this time, by your grace and mercy, that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts, that they were acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who is our strength and the source of all salvation. Amen. Just one brief word about small groups before we jump in. You're going to hear me use the word community a lot today and the idea of connecting, and we're actually going to get a fun little visual way to connect with the community outside the framework of this beautiful worship center at the end of our worship service. But small groups is a singular way to find that deep and abiding connection with other folks from this community. To say that your relationship with God is not just mediated by some guy up front or some gal up front, not by the music that you hear, but by an expression that bursts forth from a gathering of people who want to share time in common, who want to be in fellowship together. Small groups are a powerful way of shaping the work of the church. I put the QR code back up there. That'll take you to our website and just in a page where you can fill out interest in a small group. I think it's important to be able to name that fact. You'll see a table in it. it. It might be information overload, to be quite honest, over in the fellowship hall after worship. A collection of all of our current small groups that are open to new members and knowing that that represents a, a fraction then of a larger whole of groups that are continuing their good work together. You might look at all of those and say, well, the timing doesn't work or the topic doesn't work or I'm not a man for that group or a woman for that group or I can't find me on that table. Reach out. Let us know. You're not alone in that. 
And it may be an opportunity for Camille to work with me and the leadership of this church to create something new. So reach out. We'd love to know your connection with us. But we're talking about new Paseos, uh, and I promise today this image is going to make a lot more sense with the rock uh, and our part in that and how we're going to be representative in our community. But I wanted to share a word about the map of where we are, our progress in this series. We started by talking about identity, knowing a God who knows you first and foremost. You have to know where you start to figure out how to go where you'd like to go. Last week, we talked about preparation, how we pack for our journey of faith, what it is we need to carry with us that strengthens our faith, that challenges our faith, and that helps us to persevere. And the last thing that we talked as a part of that was the idea of bringing along good companions to that walk. And so today, we're continuing that theme and talking about community, how it is that we travel together through new paseos, and through new paths in faith. I'm grateful we've already seen, maybe you saw on Facebook, Camille and I and our family getting out on the Paseos with some of the members of this church. It's been so fun, and we have some more booked this week, uh, and it has been a gift to me to be able to see those experiences, to sit on that tremendous bent tree that looks like God's given bench to our community, to get out on my bike and explore this place. But right now, for me, it's done best with others in community. I'm having way more fun doing this with you than early in the morning out on the back of my bike, although I do enjoy that too. You see, for me, when I read the Gospels, they communicate and emphasize connection. When Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replies, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. When he reflects back on the Ten Commandments and the entire teaching of the Hebrew Scriptures, he says what is ultimate in that, what is first, is a pattern of love, a pattern of connection. And it is a vertical one. You have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, giving God your all and giving it to God first. There is a horizontal pattern to it as well. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And we could do a whole series unpacking that, what it means to truly be able to embrace and love yourself fully so that you might be more equipped to love your neighbor. But the simple truth is the gospel claim is that we are called to be in relationship with God and with others. And that vertical and horizontal component are incomplete without the other. Now, there have been great men and women of faith throughout history who have said, my relationship is with and only with God, and I would do that at the neglect of my relationships with people, and I would say regardless of their prayer life, regardless of their study, regardless of the verses that they've memorized, their faith is incomplete. They've turned their back on an opportunity to connect with community. And likewise, we all know the people who are out golfing this morning or out on their bikes instead of watching online or worshiping with us who say community is what greases my wheels. And I have no place for vertical component. God has turned God's back on me, and so I walk away all the same. In the same way, we too are incomplete when we choose one over the other. Our texts for this morning amplify the great commandment in that Jesus will give us a new commandment and a great commission. And so we'll get little samples of each of those. And the first comes from the Gospel of John. 
chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. They're on your screen now. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So taking the idea of being called to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself, Jesus amplifies that and says, my new commandment is to be a community of love. Love will keep us together. Love is all you need. Love in an elevator. Pick your favorite song. For all the ways in, world, the ways in which the world is obsessed with love. By the way, if you were to sit on your phone during worship, which I don't mind, by the way, uh, take notes or text a friend and say, this preacher's crazy, come see him someday, whatever you want to do with your phone, but if you Googled love right now, you'd find over a billion websites dealing with love. You know, half of those, half of those are about finding love. If you're here with a spouse or a partner or someone whose love has carried you on your journey, give their knee or their shoulder or their hand a little squeeze because you figured out something that 500 million websites are dedicated to. I know some of you this morning are sitting here going, I wish I could. I've lost that partner to life, to illness, to circumstance, to consequence, whatever the case might be. But you've been touched by the rich elixir of it. We will be known as a people of love, a community of love. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus amplifies the message. It will be our defining ideal. It'll be our focal point as we journey down the Paseos together. Every time there's a bend and a curve in the path of our common walk and faith, we can take it without fear because we know that love will be around the corner. It's inescapable. Love one another as I have loved you. And then it will be not just a community of love, not just a defining ideal, it will be a litmus test. My son's a junior at Kisteak High School and he's just started his chemistry class. He's got a lab partner. And one of the things that they will do is test acidity and base values with that fantastic little strip of paper that you were given back in chemistry lab, right? You dip it in and it would turn red or blue depending on the pH value of the fluid you were testing. When the world dips its litmus test paper into the community of Christ and into Valencia United Methodist Church, what it should read upon return is love. Love rooted in community because we take seriously the new command that Jesus has given us. Coupled with a new command, which honors the great command, is a great commission, ascending forth, a mission statement. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it reads in this way, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God this morning for that gift. Powerful words. Go, make, baptize, teach. The great gift about the work of the church is that there are things that we can do. 
Oftentimes we get caught up in the idea that church is something passive, as if you somehow paid your, your ticket and come to an Edwards Theater and get to watch things unfold, to hear the soundtrack of our faith and to hear some teaching on our faith, but rather Jesus' great commission, his sending forth, has powerful verbs in it. Go, make, baptize, and teach. That's a powerful model of who we are meant to be. In fact, it is transformed and taken into the mission and vision of the United Methodist Church, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Similar pattern of powerful verbs, make and transform, being a part of the root of our identity. We're not making disciples for our own sake. We're not just baptizing folks to get them into heaven. No, we are kingdom builders. And in two weeks' time, you're going to hear Pastor Camille talk about destination and where we're heading together. But the work of the people of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The mission statement of this annual conference, the California Pacific Annual Conference, is ending spiritual and physical hunger transforming the world by meeting that deep need of hunger both for food in a practical way and I'm so grateful for this church and its partnership with things like the Santa Clarita Food Pantry and the market and those of you that will help bring food on Tuesday as we meet the needs of Bridge to Home as is our pattern. We are ending physical hunger, but beyond that, we realize that the world is spiritually hungry, and so the work of churches together and communities of love is to meet that spiritual hunger, to provide opportunities like worship, yes, but also small groups and places where we can come and feast on the bread of life and the Spirit of God together. Make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, ending spiritual and physical hunger. And then in our church, our priorities are the seven things we know to be true. A vision and mission and identity through which, the lens through which we make our decisions about our priorities and ministry, who we will be as a people. And I'll tell you, all of those confessions on the wall are rooted in our best attempt to be a community of love that is active in service to the world. We want to be a community of love that invites folks with baggage, that invite folks that understand that all means all, that invite folks into a pattern of life that says we will be kingdom builders together. But there's an important piece that I just love at the end of the Great Commission. It's a reminder of a connection. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It is a reminder to us of Christ's presence. And one of the shortcomings of contemporary English is when we read that, it says, I am with you to the very end of the age. We often think of that as you singular, as a lifeline that Andy can cling to or anyone else can. I know that God is with me, singular. If we were still in the South when I went to SMU in Dallas, Texas, we'd say it this way, remember I am with y'all to the very end of the age. In Greek, that is a plural word. I am with you, community of love, you, community of faith, living and loving in a way that reflects the love of Christ. And so we are required to be a people of relationship because God sustains us in community, even to the very end of things. So partners, common 
journeyers. We are a people on a path. We are a people of a common mission. We journey this pathway of faith, this wandering dynamic. The great thing about the Paseos is that while they will get you places, folks that say, I figured out how to get to Starbucks or to the mall on the Paseos, sure, they'll get you places. But when we walk them together, the single largest thing they accomplish is not a destination. It's a journey in common. It's the fellowship. One of my favorite things as a cyclist is coming on people who are beautifully distracted. I'll tell you what ugly distraction is. People who wear full noise reduction headphones and are jogging on the path right down the middle of it, and you say, on your left, on your left, and you try and get by them, and they're just oblivious to you. Those people cause accidents. But I've seen some beautiful distraction out on our paseos. Friends walking together, as is our image of community this morning, visiting with vibrancy and urgency about what's going on in their lives. It is a tender moment that I almost don't want to interrupt by scooting by on my recumbent bike. We journey together. We know our identity. We pack a good pack. And today is about finding good companions. We've been surrounded in this series by the images of the stones on the wall and with the word new paseos in them. This sense of the, the stones of our faith, the stones of our common life together are those stepping stones of our journey, yes, but we're going to amplify that today. I want to introduce to you an opportunity. During our closing hymn, and I'll remind you of this in a moment's time, Camille and I are going to be down front with ba uh, baskets of these little stones. On one side is hodgepodge the QR code that says here for good in it, and it'll take folks to our website to see a little video about who we are and what we're doing. And what we want to do, and we're going to give you an extra minute or two at the end of worship to send you out a little early, grab your donuts, sign up for small groups, and then find the table with the paint pens. I want to invite you to decorate your stone with an image, with a word, with a blessing, whatever it might be that connects you with this place and its people. You might be new and not have a real clear sense of what that might be. Pick up a pen and just start doodling and see if God doesn't inspire you to something. Our hope is, our invitation is, not quite a, not quite a great commandment or commission, our invitation is that this does not wind up on your kitchen counter, or on your bookshelf, or on your bedside table. The reason we've included the QR code is our hope is that not unlike so many of the other painted stones that you see around, that you'll take this out on a paseo with you. And you'll find the right spot in your walk to just kind of leave it there, either image up or QR code up, whatever it might be, so that you can leave an imprint of our time together in the world. I've checked the code. It's not littering. <laughs> leave an imprint of who we are. And a subtle invitation to something new going on here. And as a reminder to people who will walk those paseos sometimes after you, that in their attentiveness to their surroundings, they might find something new, something full of life, something full of hope, and maybe, just maybe, the Spirit will use that as a chance to stir somebody to find a community of love. Simple stones, but they might make a difference. One last word, and then we're going to pray. 
I am stealing the work of Pastor Camille for Sunday's Destinations sermon in a couple of weeks because she's going to talk a little bit more about the Lord's Prayer. But at the close of my time in our prayer today, you'll see that the words to the Lord's Prayer go up. And I want to invite you to join me in that as a part of centering in our prayer life together. For me, the Lord's Prayer serves as an opportunity for the people of God to do something in community and in common. We lift our voices together, not just because it's ritual and routine, but as a regular invitation for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, to ask for forgiveness as we forgive, to seek the daily providence that we need, and to offer praise and thanksgiving to a God who is the very head of the universe itself. She'll say more, but I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, as we journey our path together, we ask for your blessings. Help us to see you in little ways and in big ways in our lives, and help us to find a deeper connection with this, your community of love. Remind us that your son, Jesus Christ, always calls people into relationship with himself and with one another, that their lives might be different, transformed, and changed out of that relationship. We give you thanks for his life and for his ministry and for his invitation for us to be a people of prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.